0: Do you wanna start investing but not sure where to begin? Are you scared to get started? In this episode of Financial Fornicating with Madam Money and Friends, I hang out with my girl, Courtney Richardson, the Ivy Investor. She's gonna share some strategies on how to get started and some cool apps to use. Welcome to season two of Financial Fornicating with Madam Money and Friends. I'm so excited to bring this episode to you. I did this episode a while back and got so much great feedback about it. I thought I'd make it the first episode for season two because everyone is really interested in learning how to invest, but a lot of people are really afraid to start or not sure how to begin. And she gives some awesome information. So I interviewed Courtney Richardson, the Ivy Investor, and wanted to share with you what she taught in this online course. You get it for free, so you're welcome. So check it out. Hope you enjoy it. Take lots of notes. hello class is in session thank you for joining us i am so excited to have one of my girlfriends you know my girl um we're we're on social media together all the time you may know her as the ivy investor um but miss courtney is in the building today and i'm so excited to have her because of her expertise. We're focusing on and talking about investing, investing in the market, investing for the future and so forth. And a lot of people want to start investing, but sometimes they're scared of investing. And so we want to dispel some of the myths, um, try to get people over the fear and get them to start investing one baby step at a time because once you take the first baby step, then you're gonna walk, you know, you'll know, you crawl, you'll walk, you'll run, and you'll wonder why you didn't, hadn't done it years ago. But Ms. Courtney, thank you so much for joining us for this session today. I really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about you, because I need people to understand that you're not just someone that decided to learn about investing. You kind of got the licenses and everything. So share a little bit about you and your expertise.
1: So um, I have been in the financial services industry since 2003. Um, I feel like it's, it doesn't feel like that long. So I graduated from the University of Pittsburgh and I had a philosophy degree and i'm not sure what you do with a philosophy degree and neither is most people so i was supposed to go to law school and i decided that i wasn't really ready to go to law school um i was still very young and i just was not ready so i my parents were like that's great um you need a job so (laughs) um so i looked for a job and the only people that like thought about hiring me was american express financial advisors Mm -hmm. Um, And American Express Financial Advisors now is called Ameriprise. So it's kind of like, it's not necessarily what I would call a household name, but people are relatively familiar with them. Um, They're kind of on the same level as like Edward Jones. So Mm -hmm. I ended up working with them and they said, okay, you need to take this stockbroker's license. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) whatever, Exactly. I was like, I could, okay, I don't know what that is, but all right, let's go. So, and and it's so interesting is that I really did, I have a math background, but I never had an investing kind of household. Like my mom was a saver, my dad was a spender. So now all of a sudden I'm being thrust into this world of investing. I'm like, I guess I'll figure it out. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I got my series seven. I've got my 60. So series seven is a general securities license. Um, and then I got a, what's called a 66, which is like basically understanding the laws of securities, but it allows you to charge people for your advice. Yeah. So, so, and then I also had a life accident health, which allowed me to sell insurance and annuities and that type, those types of products. So um, here I am 20 something, very, very young, trying to sell people stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't really go that well, but that's fine. So I ended up working in a bank and then I ended up working for Merrill Lynch. And at Merrill Lynch, I became a 401k specialist. And then I also became that I got a chance to move on as a high net worth advisor. Nice. Every client was $3 million. So that's kind of how I got my, I guess, got my experience or my, or my legs in the investment world. I was building portfolios for high net worth um, clients. Um, and then 2008 happened. The market crashed. Um, Bank of America was per- excuse me, Merrill Lynch purch- was purchased by Bank of America. And um, in two- that March of 2009, I was laid off. So I spent a month in the Philippines because I felt like that's what you do when you get laid off. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, I- boy, I should have known that. Okay. <laughs> so then, I didn't um, get that memo, but thanks for letting me know. <laughs>
1: so... I went to law school from there and I ended up working in, um, after graduation, I got with a really good firm and I did oil and gas work, which is oil and gas title work. So basically real estate for oil and gas. It was boring it was probably the most boring. It was like, it's boring as watching paint dry. But yeah. then I started having like my friends transitioning out of their, their first jobs, starting to have babies, and they wanted to be on the phone with me all day long about investing and about retirement. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is great. I'm really like, this is my passion, but baby, I can't be on the phone with you all day when I have to bill. Like we bill in, um, I had the opportunity of billing like in big blocks, but some people, if you're an attorney, and you're billing, you're billing in six minute increments. Like so. every six minutes of your day has to be accounted for. Wow. So, I mean, so it was just crazy, but I didn't have, I wasn't that bad, but I still had an account for my day. So two hours meant two hours I wasn't billing. So I said, listen, I'm going to give you, I'm going to write a blog because I'm kind of like a frustrated writer. I'll give you this blog. I'll give you the basics because a lot of people just don't know the basics. Right. Um, I'll give you the basics. Um, what a 401k is, what a rollover is, how this all works. You come back to me with your questions and then we'll move from there.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so that's how the IV Investor started. So that was my blog. It was a blog about teaching women how to invest in simple terms. Uh, That was 2014. It is going to be five years old in 2019, January 1st. Super excited about that. But since then I've been teaching All over the nation about investing. It's been great, but I like to make investing fun Mm -hmm. because it's fun. It is simple. Um, Just kind of once we start getting the lingo down, you're good. So that's each.
0: So that that's that's awesome. That you know, I I, we have a similar black background because I have a light insurance license, and I was with New York Life when I got it. So of course they wanted me to get my Series license as well to to sell investments and. we didn't work out you know we were that that couple that really loved each other but it just wasn't going to work out because because of what i did online and you know they wanted me to cease and desist it's not a money my book and all that and it's kind of not what i was going to do so um business decision decided not to do my series um, and that's why I'd say I, I know enough, but you know, I'm not an investment advisor, nor do I play one on TV. I just have friends like Courtney that are investment advisors, licensed investment advisors. Um, but I love the fact that you make it fun because it can be very intimidating. Anything is intimidating about money if you don't know anything about it, right? So if you don't know about a budget, it can be intimidating. If you don't know about, um, Investing in yourself. It can be intimidating investing in real estate investing in the stock market. So if you don't really know about it. It's going to be very intimidating for people to just jump out there and step out there. So the reason for this class is to give you the basics about investing so that we can take the first steps towards being financially free in 2019, investing a portfolio, growing towards our future self and our future desires and dreams that we want. We have the longest vacation of our lives on the way called retirement. And think about it this way, retirement is not an age anymore. Retirement is a dollar amount. So you can retire at 25, 50, 100, depending on how much money you have so the object of the game is to build up your portfolio as quickly as possible so you can retire as quickly as possible am i right
1: yes exactly Exactly.
0: awesome so let's start off when we start when we talk about investing um there are some people that have jobs um there are some people that are self-employed uh so let's talk about people who who are employed employees and working they want to start investing what is the easiest way for people to get started investing especially if they work at a job or employees
1: the easiest way for people to start investing is using your employer plan whatever your employer offers in terms of retirement plan use it so um, if you have a 401k so let's just talk about what those are so a 401k is for profit institutions so walmart has a 401k amazon has a 401k Merrill Lynch had a 401k, um, but then you also have 403Bs, and no one really talks about them. 403Bs are for nonprofits and teachers, so my dad works for the Philadelphia School District. He has a 403B, um, but then you also have 457s, and 457s are for, like, municipal services, um, municipal services, um, municipalities. They have 403, 457s, and so if you work for, let's say, the city of Philadelphia, you have a four fifty seven. And then finally, if you work for the federal government, you have what's called a TSP or a tax, uh, what is it? A thrift savings plan. Mm -hmm. So those are all the, the, what's available for employees. Um, So that's the best place to start because it comes right out of your paycheck. And the wonderful thing is, is that it's coming out of your paycheck and it's being taken from your taxable income. So say you make a hundred dollars and you contribute $20 to your, um, one of your available retirement plans then the government only taxes you on $80. So it's kind of like you're getting, so it's twofer. So you're getting like, it's like a buy one, get one free. So you're getting a tax deduction in this year, but you're also saving or, you know, helping your future self by putting money away. So you're getting, you know, like I said, a twofer. Um, but on the other side that you can also do, in addition to have an employer's plan or using through your payroll deduction, you have IRA options. You have a Roth IRA and you have a traditional IRA. So the traditional IRA works just like um, a deduction um, coming out of your paycheck. Um, So same thing, $100, you put $20 into a traditional IRA, and basically the government looks as, as though you made $80 as opposed to the $100. So that's great. But then you have the Roth IRA. So the Roth IRA, you make $100, you put $20 away, the government's gonna tax you on $100. But the great thing is, is that it's not gonna be taxed when it comes out, as long as you meet certain requirements. You have to be 59 and a half, and the account has to be open for five years. But I mean, but even still, the Roth is available. So it comes out tax free. But on the other accounts, the 401k, the 457, the TSP, the 403b, you put the money away, you're not getting taxed on the front end, but you will get taxed on the back end. So what I like to tell people is that you got to mix it up. You want to have some money that's taxable, and some money that's not taxable. And that's kind of the beauty of it, because you want to get that tax deduction in, in your in this year, because who wants to pay all the money to the government, right? But you also want to, you know, take advantage of tax-free options or tax, I guess I call them tax advantage because they're not necessarily always tax-free as, right. as long as you use the play by the rules of the game. Because the IRS is like, listen, we're going to give you this, this good guy. We're going to give you this, this nice little benefit,
0: but you got to play by our rules.
1: Right. And if you won't play by our rules, that's fine. But what we're going to do is we're going to tax you and we're going to penalize you.
0: Exactly. And so it's one of those tax me now, tax me later. And it's not that it's a tax-free, it's a tax deferred. So you're deferring the taxes to your future self, or you're taking the taxes now, so your future self won't have to be taxed. And it's your choice. You can tax me now, tax me later. That's your choice, and that's a great, I like what you said, you know, mix it up a little bit and you have different options now. Now, you wanna be careful, in my opinion, to not do everything tax deferred, because even though it may be beneficial for you right now, when you really need that money in the future, you don't wanna be heavily taxed on that money. You're gonna need that money when you get older, because I promise you what people don't tell you, it costs a lot of money to get old. It's a lot of money, health benefits, you know, whatever you you need as older. A lot of people like, oh, it's going to live less. Actually, no, it's expensive to get old. So you got to play for that, especially if you want to go on vacation like I do. Like I plan on my retirement being really expensive. Okay, so you want to at least plan for that, so I love what you said about using what the employer offers you, 401K, 403B, 457, um, the thrift plans, and then also take advantage of the IRA options, your traditional, which is the tax deferred, and your Roth, which is the tax later. Um, No, no, tax now, Roth is the tax now, right? So I I love those concepts, and those are easy things, those are things that we can do now. Now, tell me your opinion about this. I I tell some of my clients that with their employer sponsor plan, they can definitely do that. But there are other options for investing, especially if their employer doesn't match. Now, if your employer matches, that's free money. That is free money. You should be doing something up to or contributing up to the maximum of their ma- their match because that means that they're doubling your money or 50 cents on the dollar or a dollar for dollar so if you save $10,000 in a year you're essentially getting $20,000 right
1: right why would you why would you not use that and a oh. lot of people just they kind of was just like, oh, well, I, I don't think my, I've heard a lot that my employer doesn't match a lot or my employer doesn't match enough or a lot of people don't understand their match calculation. And I think it's sometimes it's like, you know, on the fi- on the first 50, you know, it's 50 percent on the first blah, blah, blah. And you kind of have to work out the math. Mm-hmm. Um but your 401k provider can actually work out the math for you and tell you exactly how your match works. So the best thing is that use your resources, give those, those people get paid, you know, who who are managing your 401k, they're getting paid, call them.
0: Use you don't have, and you don't have to pay them. It's already in there, especially the employer has paid for it. So why not take advantage of that free investment advice from a financial planner that's helping you with your 401k. I think that's what a lot of people get afraid of is that they figure out, they think that they have to create their own portfolio themselves. They have to do the math themselves and that's not their, you know, that's not their job. So I, I agree with you connect with your plan administrator, um, Human Resources can connect you with them. The 401k administrator. Tell them what you need, what you want. They'll figure out your risk tolerance. Risk tolerance is your tolerance to lose money. You either have a high risk tolerance or you don't. You're know, right. So I, I, I really, really like that option to be able to communicate with someone and it's already free. Your employer's already paid for it. I love, uh, that's one of my favorite. I
1: mean, I noticed that a lot of people don't use it. They're like, oh wow, I called them and they explained everything. I'm like, yep, that's their job. But I also think it's really important that we, I, you know, have you ever heard the saying, like, don't be fast or or like fast or easy or cheap? I think, I think you've heard one of those kind of like some derivation of that. Mm -hmm. But I tell people, no, that's what you want your retirement to be. You want it to be easy. You want it to be simple and you want it to be cheap. And the biggest thing is that when you have mutual funds, a lot of people in whatever retirement account they have, especially by an employer, they have mutual funds as the option. Mutual funds can get very expensive and there's nothing worse than having the fees eaten away at your retirement. It's like, wow, it's kind of like, um, you know, you have like a hole in the bucket. So it's kind so you want to be like, how can, how can you get the best bank for your buck? One of the best things I tell people is look at indexes. Indexes are so, they're cheap. They should be cheap. Um, They should be cheap. Um, They're looking at the whole market. So most 401ks, not all, but most will have S&P 500 index which is gonna be relatively cheap, it's gonna be cheaper than the other options in there. And they also have what's called a bond, an aggregate bond fund, which is kind of like all the bonds that exist. So you have like really, really good bonds, what we would consider treasury, which are government bonds, all the way to a little bit of junk. And I so, tell-
0: <laughs> So tell me, tell, tell the, uh, the students, what is a bond? So
1: a bond is basically, um, you've loaned a company or a government money and you're getting and what they give you are two things they give you your money back and we'll talk about how that that happens or may not happen and they're also for the privilege of using your using your money they're paying you interest so it's the same thing with the credit card so think about it on the other side as a I have a credit card and I spend a thousand dollars on the card now if I don't pay it by the due date or whatever the case may be I'm gonna get an interest I'm gonna get an interest charge on there okay so that's the privilege of me using the credit card same thing but I have the but I'm the holder I'm the bank so the credit card is owned by the bank and now you as an investor, you're the bank. So you're right. saying, okay, I'm going to loan you my money and for the privilege of you using my money, you're, I'm, you're going to give me a certain interest rate and I'm going to get that on a quarter, a monthly basis, a quarterly basis, semi-annual, like or twice a year or once a year. It just depends on how the bond is set up. But people like to use that as recurring income, like a regular, like you get a little payment every month or okay. whenever.
0: So keep that in mind, everyone, is that you're probably used to, getting a loan and borrowing money so the bank is essentially giving you a bond uh, in that respect but you have to pay the money back that you borrowed and the interest right so now you're going to flip it up and you're going to lend the money to either a real estate the Treasury or a financial institution or whatever you're going to give them the bond and then you're gonna get your money back hopefully <laughs> more than likely and you're gonna get interest on that as well so you become like the financial institution and you create you can create that within your 401k or within your retirement account your 403b 457 i want to give the same love to all the other great employer-sponsored retirement plans 401k just gets talked about all the time 403bs are good most of the time 403bs are not matched but that's okay the great thing is, is you can get in this investment world in a safe manner with your employer-sponsored plans but you should know what the difference is between a bond and a mutual fund um what's when is there a situation where we would not get our money back from the bond
1: oh boy i know
0: that looked like that looked like a painful question to you
1: well (laughs) it's bad credit it's when a so essentially think of it this way is that you know what happens when people have bad credit how do you get bad credit oh because you don't pay your bills that's how bad credit happens right and that's what a junk bond is junk bond is like okay you know corporation municipality city county state you have you're a little iffy with your payments sometimes you don't give people their money back so what we're going to do is we're going to charge your you know when you go out into the world and say hey well, I need money they're like that's great you need money but uh, what I need is to get is I need to be compensated for the additional risk I'm taking so that's kind of what a junk bond is so what happens sometimes like I said you get that higher interest rate but sometimes you might not get that payment. You might not, you know, you might not get your money back. So that's pretty much what happens. It just- okay, so
0: that, 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 that's, the same, that's the same thing is if I'm, because I, I, you know, I deal with financial institutions and I was a lender, right? So if I lend to someone with a very low credit score, the, the lower the credit score, the higher the risk of them not paying us back, right? And everything costs more with a low credit score. So that means they're going to get a higher interest rate because I kind of want my income now because I know you probably may not pay. You'll probably pay a couple and God forbid that you're a first payment default, okay? But because you have a lower credit score, I may lend you the money, but your interest rate may be 18, 25, maybe 30%. And that's just the cost of having a low credit score. And so if you don't pay us back, the financial institution has to take a loss even and it's really because the financial institution has to pay back all of the depositors because they use the depositors money to lend to other people so it's not that you're not paying the financial institution back you're not paying back everybody that made deposits into their financial institution so now the financial institutions on the line and they have to pay all of these people back that's why they take a loss okay Same thing with the bond. You wanna deal with junk bonds? Okay, you'll get a bit higher return, but it's a higher risk that you may not get your money back because they may not pay back. Unfortunately, there's a lot of cities and municipalities that have really, really bad credit. So if you have colorful credit, don't be that upset. There's municipalities that have it too, but we're gonna talk about, or we've talked about how to increase that. I digress. So we talked about the bonds. Now let's talk about the mutual funds. Now a friend of mine gave us a a great analogy. I use it all the time that a mutual fund versus a common stock is like um, a mall. So the mall has many different stores in there, right? So if you invest in the mall itself, if one of those stores happens to fail, it doesn't destroy the entire mall, right? Because there's income coming in from all of those stores. It may have a minor effect on it, but it's not gonna have a major effect versus if you invested in that one store and then that one store closes and fails, you lost all your money and your investment because that one store closed. So the mall is like the mutual fund and the common stock is like that one store. Okay. Does that make sense?
1: That's pretty good. I use a cake reference, but that's pretty good. You like that? I do. I think I might use it.
0: You might use that. See? <laughs> now, what's your cake reference? Let me hear your cake reference.
1: <laughs> so I tell people when you're by, when you're doing a cake or making a cake, you put in all the ingredients. You put in the cake mix. You put the the milk. I don't know. I don't make cakes. Don't judge me. I think eggs go in there. Whatever. So you put. all <laughs> He obviously doesn't cook cakes. Okay. <laughs> but you. Know, <laughs> So you put all the ingredients in and when you, you mix it up, you put it in the oven and you take a piece of cake. So I tell people you don't, when you have, when you eat the cake, you're not saying, Oh, I taste the eggs there. Or you shouldn't, or you shouldn't say, I taste the flour because it's all together. So you're getting a piece of cake as opposed to the individual ingredients. And that's how I make the difference between the individual ingredients, which is stock versus the cake, which, the, which is the final product, which is all of it mixed together. So you're not getting the egg or the milk, you're getting a piece of cake and you don't expect to get the egg or the milk, so.
0: Mm, I like that too, I might have to use that one. Okay, <laughs> good job. So inside of your portfolio, where, you're, where whether it's the 401k, 403b, 457 thrift plans, you can choose, like she said, bonds, mutual funds, you know, whatever and consult with your plan administrator on the best thing for you and your risk tolerance. Um, But those are options of a mutual fund and there's millions of different types of mutual funds. There's tech mutual funds, there's um, railroad, there's so many oil, um, I've invested in oil mutual funds. Um, So there are several different times, different kinds. Okay. And it's not expected for you to know the details of each of those mutual funds or those bonds or whatever. That's what that hired professional is supposed to do and supposed to explain to you how it will benefit you and if it will help you to reach your goal within that. So I, I really like that. The first step is to leverage what you have with your employer, especially if they match, do up to their match. Even if you feel the match is a little complicated, do something because you're going to get free money. I don't care if it's 50 cents on the dollar for the first whatever. You want that 50 cents, dude. I promise. Trust me, you want that 50 cents. Your future self will thank you for that 50 cents on the dollar. Promise. Promise all right cool so what if someone wants to invest in like individual stocks okay I think the big one was Nike okay so two years ago Nike was around 50 something dollars when I was on the Ricky Smiley morning show it's now uh, 70 is around the 75 70 75 right now and so I got it when it was right at 75 and so right now it's a little it's dipping a little bit so when the stock dips I kind of get excited because it's on sale. Okay, let me tell you why it's on sale. Because the progression of the portfolio is upward. It, it's going up. Now, I don't foresee Nike just shutting down and closing down, like Roses and um, what's the other one that just shut down? Y'all remember Roses? It was a store. Oh, dang! I can't remember that store. But don't don't invest in those. If, if, it, if the trend is going that uh, wrong direction, don't do that. But usually if they're going in that direction, but the stock market doesn't go straight line up, it, it goes ridiculously up and down, which has causes palpitation in people's heart when they watch it, right? So what is the best way if they wanna, you know, think of a stock that they wanna do, and I'm gonna share a, a little technique that I use for p- families to start investing together. But what should they look at if they want to consider buying an individual stock?
1: Um, I tell people to invest in what they know. Investing in what you know and what you understand is a great way and probably the best way to get started. Um, Pretty much if you use it on a regular basis, then maybe you should consider moving from being a consumer to being an investor. That's the biggest thing is that okay, let's move, the, let's move the needle. We can still consume, but we can also be an investor also. So for a Nike, for example, I purchased Nike. Um, it was about 55 or so. It was a couple of years ago. And I, I recently got out when it was like 78, 78 79, because I think it hit maybe 82 at the top. Um, so I was very proud of myself. <laughs> but but Nike, again, like I've been wearing Nikes forever. And one thing I've known, I mean, since I was a kid, I knew that they had good quality. I knew that they... I would call them kind of like, as a kid, they were fashion forward, and they're still fashion forward. There were things that kind of caught my eye, and I wasn't the only one. You know, I would see lines around the store waiting for Jordans, and Jordans is, Jordan is a subsidiary of Nike. So I'm like, okay, y'all seem to have this thing together. So the first thing is that I use Nike. I understand pretty much what they do. They sell sneakers. Or pretty much, and we look broader than that, they sell athletic wear, you know, they sell kind of different things, but are all pretty much connected to sneakers and sports. So mm-hmm. we understand that. And that's why I tell people to start with what you know, not necessarily that, oh, I, I automatically love this company, so I should invest in. No, 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 no. You got to do a little bit more digging deeper than that. Like mm-hmm. I love um, Land's End. Land's End is owned by Sears. Um, anybody knows about Sears? Sears went bankrupt, you know? And I knew, and I was watching Sears. So I was like, I love the Land's End, but oof, There's no, it's no good. But that's part of the thing is that you're looking at the company. You're looking at not only the share price, but looking at to see if they're actually profitable. Like Yahoo Finance is my friend, I go in and I will look to see, like it says financials and I look and I look in the row and do I see any brackets? If I see brackets and it says like, you know, profit and it's brackets, that means they lost money. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. And I went like, and I'm like, well, wait a second. You lost money. Have you lost money? And then I'll start looking like you lost money every single year. Oh no player. I can't fool with you. Hey! Right. Okay. so it, it's just those simple things like looking at what you what you use on a regular basis whatever that may is may be. i love starbucks i have a starbucks habit so i mean years ago i picked it up when i was in law school so i'm like okay well if i'm good if the barista knows my name i should you know own a part of this in, in this company if it's a good company and part of the reason why I like going to Starbucks is because I like the atmosphere. I like the experience. I like the fact that the barista actually knows my name and knows my drinks And when when I walk in, they're like, "Hey, Courtney!" It's like, "Cheers!" I was like, "Oh yes, I love this." And it's been that experience across the board. Mm-hmm. I will never forget. I pulled up to the Starbucks. Um, I was in law school, it was like 2010. I was like right in the middle of finals. I just needed some caffeine to get me through. I pull up to the the um, I pull up uh, to the drive through. And they were like, here's your, Courtney, here's your uh, cup. And, you know, good luck on your finals. And I was like, wow. I was so impressed by that. Now, again, you can't just be impressed by the company and say, I'm going to just jump all in, but it's just understanding the company and understanding the company's mission. Because again, you're becoming a part, you're becoming a part owner of that company. You're going to be making decisions for this company on a really high level. They're going to say, hey, we're thinking about um, acquiring this company or we're thinking about spinning off company, you as a shareholder have a vote in that. Right. So again, is that if you care about the company, you want it, you actually use their products and you love their products and they have good financials, they're not losing money, um, you may want to consider investing in them. And there's really a lot of good ways to start. Um, you can even invest sometimes in your retirement account. I don't like people starting out to invest in their retirement accounts in stock if they, don't, if they haven't done it outside. Right. They do have self-directed brokerage accounts where you can do it in your retirement plan. Um, But again, I want you to kind of not start there. But it's an option when you do get really comfortable in the stock market. And and I tell people, don't take tips. Um, Every tip that I've ever taken, and I've actually taken a few tips over time, like, oh, you should literally look at this company. And I look at the company, oh, the company looks interesting. Don't you not lost money? Because I didn't do my research. Mm -hmm. So I tell people like, you know, you want everybody kind of wants the next big thing. Um, I get emails all the time. You want the next big Amazon? This is this is just as big as Amazon. It's like for real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything. I kind of look, I got them emails all week
0: this this week.
1: <laughs> exactly. And but again, it's about understanding the industry, understanding the company, and just going with what you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's simple, like my I tell people all the time, wait, like, if I would if my parents would have invested in Nintendo when I was a kid and I was asking for Super Mario Brothers, we would be sitting on a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I follow, and follow the kids. I follow the kids all the time. What are
0: you guys doing? Oh, what do you want? Okay, let's look into that. Right. And so and that leads me to what I teach some of my clients with their families, um, especially if they have families and they have kids, is to do a stock scavenger hunt. And so the stock scavenger hunt is to do what you said, is to go around the house, see what you use the most. And it's say if you use a toothpaste or you use, or you, you know, you have an Xbox or my son had an Xbox or you have whatever, whatever you use the most, find out who manufactures or makes it. Is the company publicly traded? If they're publicly traded, find out what their stock is selling at. Not just find out there, go to Yahoo, the fin- Yahoo Finance and do some research. Look at, are they making a profit? Look at the trend of their, you know, of their profitability of doing that. And once you feel as a family, you know what, we want to do that as a family, save up money and then invest together um, into those certain things. So every time you buy the product, you're buying the product of a company that your family owns within that. So now you can celebrate, you know, on a quarterly basis, how is your company doing? You know, now there are owners of a company. If you like sneakers, I don't have a problem with people that like to pay $200 for sneakers. I ain't got a problem with you. I got a problem with you that pays that much money every year and you don't own the company. I got a problem with that. Because if you can afford to buy $200 worth of sneakers a year or more, you can afford to buy a couple shares of the company in which you're going to spend all that money in.
1: I agree. I tell. I actually did um, when I did a teaching. I taught kids. We talked about the Jordan 18. So the last time Jordan played was 2003 for the Wizards. So that was same year the Jordan 18s came out. So they were about like I think they were either 150 or 200. But if you would have taken that same amount of money, you could have still gotten your Jordans. Mm-hmm. Taking that same amount of money and invested in Nike. By last year, about this time last year, you probably would have had about 1,500 dollars, just off of that investment. Right. And so that's great. So just saying, okay, like you, again, you can be a consumer,
0: but I want you to be an investor too. And you right. can, they, they can exist in the same space. Exactly. So be a consumer in a company of what you own and what you invested in. And that's a simple process. Um, You know, let's talk about some of the apps to get people started. So maybe they're like, you know what, I'm not really sure. I don't have that much money to start investing and it doesn't take a lot of money. It can be as low as $5 that you can start investing. It could be as low as 1% of your income. I recommend that you do, you know, start at one, move up to two, move up to four. You gradually move up to the top of the match. But you can start with any amount, right? So what are some of the apps that you like?
1: So I really love Robinhood and I really love Stockpile. So I really like Robinhood um, because the trades are free. So they're free trades that have what we call, um, we have buy regular purchasing of stocks, but you also have options. There's a lot of things that they have available for free. However, there's a couple of, of not not hiccups or problems, they're hiccups, but not problems. Robinhood, you can't get a retirement account with them yet nor can you get a custodial account with Robinhood. So if you just, you opening your account for yourself and you're over the age of 18, then you're great. But if you wanna open an account for someone who's under the age of of 18, like a custodial account, that's not an option available for you. Or if you want to do a retirement account with Robinhood, also not an option. So there's a lot of kind of, there's some limitations on accounts, but there's also some limitations on um, companies that are available or that are traded that you can get through Robinhood. I mean, they have a pretty wide selection, but there are some companies that are not available. Mm-hmm. My next favorite is Stockpile. Now, Stockpile doesn't have free trades. Their trades are, and then, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Before I go on Stockpile, with Robinhood, you have to purchase one full share. You can't purchase any fractional shares. And a fractional share is a portion of a share. So we'll say, I think uh, Amazon may be around $1,500 a share. So you're saying, listen, I have $750. I want to invest in Amazon. I want to start investing in Amazon. You would have to wait until you got the full amount for right. To invest in Amazon as opposed to with stockpile, you can purchase fractional shares, Mm -hmm. but every fractional share that you're purchasing is going to be a 99 cent commission. So sometimes I tell people to be very careful about that because you're like, oh, I can buy a fraction of Amazon and I can do this every, you know, I don't know, every pay or whatever, but be careful because at some point you may end up paying, depending on how many trades you're making, 12 commission. When you that may not be it, but I like Stockpile because you can buy fractional shares. It's really easy to use because you can put in a a name of a company or a name of a, I should say name of a product, and a lot of times it will pop up with the stock that actually owns it or that the stock that's a part of it. Mm -hmm. um but also it has custodial accounts and then it also has um regular accounts no retirement accounts as of yet but what i mean by custodial accounts so if you want to open an account for your child you can open an account for your child with Stockpile, and i did that for my niece a couple of christmases ago
0: that's awesome and i um i also use acorns Mm -hmm. um i do like acorns it does allow you to do fractional um investing as well um who else um, I use? I'm looking at, I have a folder on my phone. I have a phone right, my phone, right? Mm-hmm. And I have a financial apps folder. And that's where all of my investing, because I use Robinhood as well. That's how I buy my Nike. Um, uh, let's see what else I have. Uh, I have my Starbucks app. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you called it a habit. <laughs> I have that too. I use Stash mm-hmm. as well stash invest um it allows you to do fractional and i believe that stash actually um, is is are they the ones that create they have an ira i think they created a retirement um plan where you can set up a retirement plan nice within that so that those are some apps that get you started and you can start it as you know, low as $5 a week, $5 a pay period or whatever, but at least gets you going. You'll get used to seeing some of the information that's in there and they give you the portfolio, they give you the balance, they give you the financials in the app. And so it, it's a great start for do that. So you don't need you know, thousands of dollars to start investing. You can invest as small as $5. To do that and of course within the session and below if you're listening you will be able to get access to those i'll, I'll put on the links there so you can do that and some we, if you use my promotional link you'll get five dollars just for starting so why not right so cool so we talked about if we are employees and we don't want to spend too much more time with this but this is great dialogue we're employees but what if we're entrepreneurs right what if we are entrepreneurs but we also want to uh save for retirement or to start uh investing towards our retirement or just start investing period now of course we have the traditional and the roth iras that we talked about but what are some other opportunities to invest as entrepreneurs
1: as entrepreneurs you have a lot of different options so you have what's called a SEP IRA, and it stands for Simplified Employee Pension. Um, The most that you can put into a SEP IRA is 25% of your, I believe, gross income, or $55,000, whichever one is lesser. Um, Also, you have a simple IRA. Uh, You have a I in a simple IRA, the most I believe you can put in is somewhere around 12,500. That is the 18 tax year. I can't remember what 19 is. Um, A little bit less that you can contribute, but it's a lot easier to work with. It's kind of simple, but sometimes we say the simple IRA is not so simple. It just depends. Um, and then there's an I-401K, which is an individual 401K, uh, which I like about the 401K. And same thing about the SEP is that you have, your company has a contribution that they make, but then you as an employee can make a contribution. Well, let me clarify. Um, with the 401k, you as the employee make the contribution, and then your company also can make a contribution. With the SEP, it's all from the employer. So it just depends. Um, and, and as the employee, as, as the employer, as the entrepreneur, you're the, employ- you're the employer kind of employee. So with the SEP, that's kind of where you are. But the 401k offers a little bit more flexibility about, about where that money is coming from. So um, I like that for anybody who has, I'll get a little technical, anybody who has an S-corp, I like them to be in that because it's a little bit more control of what that income is coming in and how it's being calculated because it helps tax-wise. So we talked about the SEP, the SEP, the SIMPLE, the I-41K. i 401K. ki feel like that's all of them.
0: I mean, that that's good. I mean, that's good to know that as an entrepreneur, you do have those options to do that. And again, I wouldn't just um, blindly go and just open one up, you should talk to a tax expert or a tax advisor, especially when you're doing your formation of your business to make sure one that you're in the right formation tax wise. But two, when you create these retirement plans, which one is going to be the best one for you? Because you have to determine if you are a sole proprietor, or you may be an LLC, C corp. Is the step individual? Are are they good for you? Um, you know. So you, you know, we're. I'm not a tax expert, nor do I play one on TV. My best friend is just one. So we're going to connect you also with some accountants. Within our prosperity partners, so that you can, or connect with someone you like, know, and trust to talk about that. So it's not just about, you know, the, the retirement and the investment portion of it, it's also making sure that you're not overly taxed, double taxed, um, or you're not taxed enough. Because if you're not taxed enough, they're gonna get your money <laughs> one way now or later. Just remember that one. Tax me now, tax me later. The last thing I want to mention is that a lot of people, what a lot of people don't realize is the option of using life insurance as an investment tool as well, right? So, I mean, you have, of course, your variable universal life policies. I usually stay away from universal life, but it does have uh, an investment portion of it um, where you can start investing the cash value. Um, but again, the, the, there's a lot of Things regarding that we'll talk about that when we talk about insurance but one of the things that's out there is the index universal life so the index universal life allows you to take your cash value and you can purchase what's what she mentioned on the index indexes are pretty good Um, so there's options that are there as well so talk to your talk to a licensed insurance agent like myself Um, are you also a licensed insurance agent I was I wasn't I was
1: I had all my licenses and I let them go in 2013
0: okay great but just because she let her licenses go doesn't mean she let the information and her knowledge go so she knows it um, she knows it just as much as I do probably more but make sure you talk to an insurance professional as well so there's several ways that you can get start investing you don't have again you don't need a lot of money you can start as low as five dollars start with your employer and then you can go move on to um, the IRAs, um, diversify the tax now, tax later, tax deferred and tax now. Um, also, if you're an entrepreneur, check out your options for the SEP, the SEP, and that's the Simplified Employer Pension. Is that what you said? The Simplified Employee Pension. Or like okay. Um, also your, um, your simple uh, IRA and your individual 401k options for you to start investing for your future self for that long vacation. And again, retirement is not about an age. It is about a dollar amount. We get there faster by investing. So Courtney, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with the class and the listeners. I really do appreciate how can people connect with you, find you, work with you? So, um,
1: I'm best, I'm usually like in social media land, I'm usually on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Those are the two places. I'm the IV investor on Instagram. I'm the IV investor on Facebook. Uh, you can always send me an email, um, Courtney at the IV investor.com and yeah. And my website, the IV So it's all, all the IV investors.
0: Okay, great. So it's the IV investor, T H E I V Y I N V. E-S-T-O-R.com. Did I spell it right? (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Class was in session. We had a good time talking about investing. And so, like I tell everybody, I love you. There's nothing you can do about it. But keep in mind, ignorance is not bliss. It's expensive as hell. And we will see you at the next class. Hey there, this is Tara Jackson, a.k.a. Madam Money. I just want to thank you so much for listening to the Financial Fornicating with Madam Money podcast. And one want to give a special shout out to our sponsors and supporters, Kimberly Sim- Singletary, Edeline Francois Dryden, and Candace Arnold. Your contributions are helping us to continue to uh, further the podcast uh, for people who really need it. And if you'd like to be a sponsor or if you'd like to be a supporter today, just click on the support this podcast and you can make contributions as low as 80 cents, as low as a dollar a month. You can do whatever you want, but any contribution to support this podcast is greatly appreciated so we can continue to spread financial literacy across the world. Hey, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Thank you for your support.